Good morning. Welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly glad to see everybody coming onto the live right now and hoping that you're having a fantastic Tuesday morning in the name of the Lord. Got a jam-packed show for you today. We're going to be talking about prayer on this morning, and then we're going to get into some topics that are going on in our world on today. And um, hope that you guys are able to um, join in with us in the conversations on today feel free to drop down in that comment box with any questions comments or concerns that you may have and any question that you may ask um if it's a good legit question we'll add it to the queue and maybe on a future episode of the true gospel morning show you'll see your question answered right here on true gospel morning show we're going to start off with a word of prayer and then we're going to have a conversation about prayer um as we continue our series of faith works Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're so thankful, God, that you think it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth on today. We're asking, Lord God, that every word that comes from my mouth is all of you and none of me. Uh, Lord God, that we hum we humble ourselves before you, seeking your guidance, seeking your love, seeking your uh, your your forgiveness, seeking your understanding, seeking your zeal, your passion, your grace on today. Lord God, we just ask that you continue to just 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 rule and resound in a, um in our hearts in such a way, Lord, that we be able to praise you, to honor you, and to glorify your name on today. Lord God, we're just thankful that you think it not robbery to give us this opportunity to worship you in all the ways that we will be worshiping you on today. Whether on our jobs, whether in schools, whether in our homes, wherever we may be, Lord God, you've given us an opportunity to be able to worship you. And we're just grateful for this opportunity. Grateful that you you um, have, you know, just looked upon us and desire to have a relationship with us despite our limitations, despite our faults, and despite our flaws. So we're thankful to Jesus Christ who died and rose again, that we may have an opportunity to honor, bless, and uh, devote ourselves to you, crediting his righteousness to us, that we may be called the children of God, may be called joint heirs of God, may be called your disciples, may be called your image bearers once again. We're grateful, and we give your name all praise, glory, and honor. Uh, just, just saturate this show with your love, with your presence, with your power, and we'll be so careful again to give your name praise, glory, and honor because of it. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you so, so much once again for coming on to the show on this morning. We hope that you're having a fantastic day, and we hope that we're able just to give you some, um, some, goodness, some goodness on this morning. Uh, we're going to start our show off with our morning musing. Uh, we're going to be coming out of Matthew chapter 6, uh, looking at verses 5 through 15 as we're talking, uh, continue our, continuing our conversation. Lord, my words are like a, just nowhere today. Continuing our conversation on faith works. Um, and when we talk about faith works, we're talking about the works that God has given us to exercise the faith that we have. So we call these specifically faith works. Um, <clears throat> Donald Whitney um, wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And, um, and in that, you will find every basic, every work that we're going to be talking about can be found out of that book. And also a book by, um, by David Mathis called um, Habits of Grace. And so... On today, we're going to be talking about prayer. 
we're going to be talking about prayer on this morning. Um, so again, coming out of um, Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse number 5, it says these words. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. In this um, space, we find Jesus talking to the disciples, and he's talking to the disciples about basically doing things for a show, doing things to be seen by others. He talks about giving to the needy, he talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting. He talks about a desire for people to be seen by other people. And in this desire to be seen by other people, he talks about the fact that you have some folk who will come out here and will just do things, but they'll do them because they just want to be seen by everybody else. They want to be seen how much money I gave to this person, or they want to be seen about how I helped, the, how I helped this person do this. They want to be heard by saying all the lofty words and saying all these, you know, frivolous words, you know, when they're doing their prayers and when they're, you know, saying the things that they're saying to God. And when they fast, they want to look like they're going through something and struggling with something so bad. Like, oh, my God, I'm fasting. Oh, this sucks. Oh, I'm hurting so much. Oh, I'm fasting. Oh, my gosh. Like we, we have a tendency and a desire to be seen by other people of what we are doing. And what um, Jesus says to the disciples here is that if you're going to do anything for the Lord, don't do it. Because you're um because you're wanting to be seen by others. If you want if you're doing something for the if you're doing something for the Lord, don't do it for them. You're you're performing for an audience of one. And that audience is God. And if you're wanting to if you if you if you desire to be seen by others, that is gonna be your reward. The applause of men. And in that space, a lot of us we have a tendency to do the things that God has equipped us to do, but we're doing them because we want to be seen. We're doing them because we want to be on a platform. We're doing them because we want to get the most likes and the most follows. We're doing it because we want somebody to put our name in lights. We want to be plastered all over the place, and within people, we want people to see that this is me that's doing this. Some of us will claim that we're doing things for the glory of God, and as I always say, don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. So I can't say whether a person is or isn't doing it for the for the likes. 
but it's always interesting to see how people are willing to compromise on the gospel of Jesus Christ by doing things in order to be seen by others, but doing so in the name of God. What Jesus says here is that our heart's posture should be such to where we're not doing the things that we're doing to be seen by others. In that same vein, we have to be mindful of how we pray to God, which is bringing us to our point today. Because a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that when we pray, Jesus is a genie. And our prayers to him are a matter of us trying to get him to give us the things that we want. So rather than go and ask other people for the things that we want, we're instead asking him for the things that we want. And as a result, our prayer lives are conditioned to be a list of requests, things that I want from God. So I write down everything that I want and I go to God and I petition him and say, God, here's my list of things that I want from you today. Here's the list of things that I need from you today. Here's the list of things that I'm really, really hoping that, you know, I've done enough in your in your eyes in order to get you to see me and to give me the things that I want. And we get this from what we see in um, in our scriptures today in verse number four. Your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. He says, um, says further in uh, verse number six of Matthew chapter six, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And then skipping down to verse number 18, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. We act as if those verses are prescriptions for us to unlock the treasures of heaven. That if we do things in secret where people don't see, then God is going to lavishly pour down upon us blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But that is not the type of relationship that God wants to have with us. We're not. We're we're, we're wanting to rub the we're wanting to rub the lamp, and in rubbing the lamp in secret. We're hoping that God is going to richly bless us exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. But what God is trying to share, we're trying to share with us in this space is that it's not about, you know, getting him to unlock his hands to give us things. But rather, it's about us having an intimate relationship with him in such a way to where our private life with him is made manifest in the public space. Our private life with him is made manifest in the public space. Our prayers, our fasting, our giving, all these things are done in secret, right? They're done when people don't see you. They're done in the shadows, right? They're done in moments, in places where there are no cameras around, there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram pictures to be taken, there's no videos to be clipped and made so that way we can get boosts on our, on, our, on, our, um, on our public pages. This is just you and the Lord. In those moments are when we are the most raw, we're the most real, 
We're the most relevant. We are our truest selves. And what God is saying to us is that in those moments when you're by yourself, there's nobody around. There's no, there's no cameras. There's no people. There's no platform. It's just you and the Lord. How intimate and how deep of a connection do you have with him? Are you talking to him? Are you having real conversations with him? Recognizing that God knows everything that you need. God already knows. Like you can't hide from God. God already sees everything that you're in, that you stand in need of. Because he says when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So again, he's saying there's nothing that you can put in on a list of things and have a lofty list of things. I already know what you stand in need of. So then people will sometimes ask, what are we praying to God for? Our prayers are in the simplest way to explain our conversations between us and God. Prayer is communication, spiritual communication between us and God. God desires intimacy. God desires connection with us. He doesn't need it, but he wants it. And as such, he's saying to us, when you pray, don't 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 lift up lofty words or feel or act as if you holy father full of mercy, grace and truth, you know the almighty one who is righteous in all his ways. He's not we don't have to put all those words up in the air in order to get God to hear us. God knows and sees all. He hears all. And as such, he's saying, just talk to me. Just talk to me. Sometimes we can think that I don't know how to pray. God is saying your prayers are simply communication between you and me. Talk to me. Have conversation with me. Get into a rhythm and a pattern of talking to me on a regular basis. It, just like when we're dating, when we're in relationship, when we're married, communication, I was going to talk about this yesterday, is so important because the only way to know, the only way to get to know one another is if we get to know one another. And even when you've been married to somebody for 10, 15, 20 years, there's still things that you will never fully know. And so we talk to each other. We communicate with each other. We sit down and converse about our joys, our hopes, our fears, our, our, our triumphs, our day-to-day. -day. We have these conversations with our people, and it, could, and it builds connection with one another. I had somebody say to me the other day um, during, um, during, um, during a therapy session, said, I don't like small talk. Small talk is so boring. I said, that's how you get to know people. Small talk. You talk about the how's the you talk about how's the kids, how's the wife, you you talk about, you know, the things that you're up to, the things that you like to do. That's how you get to know people. Every conversation that you have with a person does not have to be a deep philosophical conversation about the nuances of the universe. Sometimes just saying, I had a bad day at work today, let me tell you about it, that builds connection. And that's what God is saying to us. That our conversations with him do not have to be deep philosophical truths about the nuances of the Holy Trinity every time we talk to him. Sometimes just saying, 
God, I had a bad day today. Thank you that you were on my side for keeping me when I didn't want to be kept, when I wanted to cuss my bosses out, and when I wanted to cuss out, you know, um, my coworkers and the customers that we had today. Thank you for staying on my side because, boy, I had a hard day today. God wants us to be in such lockstep with him that we're able to have these conversations with him. And those conversations are our prayers. Those are the things that those are the conversations that God longs to have with us. And as a result, this is what he's referring to when he says, don't pray like the hypocrites do. They think that by giving up these lofty words, that it's going to unlock the windows of heaven and pour out blessings we won't have room enough to receive. They think that by, you know, being on the public square and saying these lofty big prayers that, you know, that, 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 that you know, people are going to think that they pray so good. I promise you, that's their reward. You know, getting the applause of men. Congratulations, you prayed such a great prayer today. I don't know about you, but I, I need a lot more than the applause of men. In order to make it from one day to the next. I, I need more than likes. I need more than follows. I need more than shares. You know, I, I need I need the Lord in my life to, 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 to help me with some things, right? But at the same time, God knowing what we stand in need of, I don't have to go to him with a laundry list of things that I need from him as if that is the extent of our communication, it's a sad thing when your when your when your connection to your parents or your connection to the people that you love is merely a matter of gimme things. Gimme things. Gimme things. Gimme things. Gimme things. Gimme things. Like if that's the extent of the relationship that we have, there's no connection there. There's no there's no there's no, you know, real deep, you know, love there. You know, we just gimme, 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 gimme. And God is saying that our relationships should be such to where it's deeper than just talking about the things that we need. God wants to be there for all the things, all the things. If you dig through the Psalms, you see countless times where people are happy, people are sad, people are joyful, people are sorrowful. They're constantly going back and forth between, you know, being up, being, being grateful being, you know, humbled, being hurt, being hope, being, you know, um, desirous, like, you know, we, all these things, that's what God longs for. This is us crying out to God saying, Hey, I need you. Hey, I love you. Hey, I had a hard time today. Hey, you're freaking awesome. Thank God. You know, I didn't, you know, flip person off when he, when he cut me off in traffic, all of these things. These are conversations that God is saying, I want that. Give me that. That's the real you. That's the true you. That's the full you. That's the person that I'm looking for. I'm not looking for pretty you. I'm not looking for pristine you. I'm not looking for put together you. I'm not looking for the one who's got it all, who's got it all down pat. No, I'm looking for real you. I'm looking for honest you. And the more honest we can be with God, the more we can watch God work in those spaces. Again, God's not God. We're not, God, you know, God's not waiting. Um, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. We're not waiting on Him. He's waiting on us. And desires that we have a connection with Him in such a way to where we're able to, you know, talk about our issues and talk about our problems with Him. 
to talk about our joys and to talk about our triumphs with him. That he's a God of the good times and the bad times. The, the great times and the terrible times. He wants to be there for it. He, he is there for it all. But he wants us to know that he's there for it all. He desires that we, you know, spend time with him, talking to him about the things that we love, about the things that we hate, the things that are going on in our lives, are the confusion that we that of uh, the confusion that we sometimes go through. And as a result, God allows us this opportunity to be able to see that if we are praying to him in secret, we will watch him work in the public space. The, our private prayer life will manifest itself in the public space. Our private prayer life will manifest itself in the public space. So when he says he will reward you, he'll reward you openly. Again, he's not saying that he's going to pour down blessing, 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 blessing. Going to give us a whole bunch of money. or going to give us cars. Going to give us houses. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is when we pray to him, when we talk to him, that connection that we have with him, the communication that we have with him, it's going to manifest itself in the public space. In such a way to where we see that he is answering our prayers. That he is answering our prayers. And as a result of that, we thank him every single day for, for paving the way for us and showing us the example um, through Jesus Christ himself of, um, of spending time with the Lord. Um, let's see. In John chapter 6, starting at verse number 15, we find these words here. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started um, across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. So we see constantly God, um, Christ um, would find himself withdrawing from the public space. He had the people's attention. He had the, he, he, after feeding 5,000 people, not to mention the women and children, I'm pretty sure you'd have a lot of people's, you'd probably have a lot of people's attention at that point. And Jesus, rather than stand on the, on the ballast and be like, look at me, I'm Jesus. Instead, he withdrew and withdrew for quite some time. And in that moment, as it says in other parts of scripture, he spent time with God. He spent time with the Lord. And so again, we're saying all this to say to us today. Our prayer life should be such to where we are in constant communication with the Lord Almighty. We're just in constant communication with God. It doesn't mean that we have to be praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. You know, but it does mean that we should have constant communication with the Lord God Almighty. 
And the reason why is because that is where our power is. Some people often ask the question, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. And so what I want to do today in the little bit of time that we have left before our next segment is I want to take us through a quick scripture. And then after taking us through a quick scripture, I want to show you how you can use the scriptures to talk to the Lord, to have a conversation with the Lord. Um, let's see. Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse number 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entering into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I receive full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so when we look at this scripture, we look at this text, it's showing us how to be content in the Lord, trusting in him that he will supply every need that we will, that we ever have. We, that whatever it is that we're in, that we stand in need of, he is willing, faith, and faithful and just to give us whatever we need in order to make it from one day to the next. So much so that if we don't have, we're good. If we do, we're good. If we're in, if we're in need of something, we're content. If we are being supplied everything and then some, we are content because our contentment is not in the things, but our contentment is in the God of the things. Therefore, this is my prayer today. God, help me to stay content in you. I, I realize that sometimes I may feel as though I need something and can get so downtrodden because I'm in need. Or God, you know, you may give me everything that I need and I forget you. So God, help me to stay humble enough when you put me on the mountain to remember that it's you that put me there. God, if I'm in the midst of the valley and I'm standing in need of something, that I recognize that you got me, even if I don't have the thing that I need in that moment. I know how to be content because I can be in any state because of you who strengthens me to be able to endure having a lot or having a little. So my prayer to you today, God, help me to stay in contentment. Help me to be content 
in whatsoever state I find myself in today, knowing that you have um, you have supplied all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And because of that, I can be in whatever state I need to be in. I'm grateful and I give your name all praise, all glory, and all honor because I know that because of you, I am. And that is how we pray. That is how we pray the scriptures. If you don't, if you don't know what to pray, read the scriptures. The scriptures are so full of the things that we that we should that we can pray to the Lord God Almighty. As you read your scriptures and you and God is giving you revelation, the Spirit is giving you revelation, those become the prayers that we pray. So that you always have a way to pray to God. You always have something that you can say to God. You always have something that you can lift up to God in a way to try to encourage your soul, encourage your heart, and encourage your mind. So when you have when you don't know what but when you don't know what to pray, know that the Holy Spirit's got you. As it says in Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us when we know not we when we know not what to pray. Nevertheless, let us not get in the habit of leaning on the Holy Spirit to pray for us all the time. Like, okay, well, Holy Spirit, you got it. That's just lazy. If, if you have nothing to pray, dig into the scripture. Dig into the text. Dig into the scroll. If you can't dig into the scroll, as simple as God, I thank you. Something. But again, let us not lean on the Holy Spirit to be the sole source of our prayer lives. Because again, that's just being lazy. That's just being lazy. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, how anybody else feels about it. But that's just being lazy. Our, we should have an active prayer life where we are communing with God daily. Communing with God as often as we can to where we're communicating with him, he with us, and he manifesting the communication that we have with him in the public space to where, you know, we see the, the outer working of an inner inward transformation of the heart as we are communicating with God um, from one day to the next. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're so grateful for the 1,100 likes that we've received thus far. Thank you for every like, every follow, every share that we've gotten so far. If you have missed any part of this recording or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to all of our episodes right there at your convenience. If you do decide to give to this ministry, know that you are not giving any money to me. I got my own job, pay my own bills, make my own money. Every dime you give is going straight to the ministry to help to keep up our subscriptions and to keep up our... um our website for for uh, for your convenience and so we thank you and we'll be right back in just a moment
you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, certainly, again, thankful for the 1,100 likes that we've received thus far. Um, if you have any questions or comments that you would like to share, feel free to drop down in that comment box below and share any questions or comments that you may have. And if you do have a legitimate question that you do want to ask the True Gospel Morning Show, we'll be... Um, we will put it down into our um, our queue, and on a future episode of the True Gospel Morning Show, we'll be more than happy to answer that question for you. Um, so again, feel free. There's no question that's out of bounds, but just again, keep it classy. If you go, if you come out of pocket, we will give you that nice little mute button. Um, but again, you know, any question, you know, you're free to add. You, you that comment box is for you. Just use discretion. When you decide to go down in that comment box, otherwise you might get that nice little mute button from us. Um, so today um, on our um, in our segment, what would Jesus say? A Stanford uh, Stanford the Stanford University. God, my words today. Stanford University suspends a lecturer accused of making his Jewish students stand in a corner and calling Israelis colonizers. Stanford University has suspended, and this was back on October 13th, um, and, um, and um, the story was written by Tom Porter on the Business Insider. Stanford University has suspended a lecturer following accusations that he directed Jewish students in his class to stand in a corner and describe Israelis as colonizers. Nora Cohen and Andrea Madostam Israeli Israeli students on the campus told the San Francisco Chronicle that they had spoken to 18 of the lecturer students this week. All had asked to remain anonymous due to tensions on campus after the Hamas terror attacks on Israel at the weekend from Gaza, where the militant group killed hundreds of people and abducted an estimated 150 in attacks on Israeli towns at a music festival and military bases. In response, okay, okay, all right, blah, 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 blah. Cohen and Maldestam told the Chronicle the lecturer delivered impromptu lessons in two classes, which he said would be focused on the topic of colonialism. They had also said students in one of the classes recounted the lecturer blaming the outbreak of violence between Israel and Hamas on Zionists and saying Hamas's actions were part of a resistance. Quote, he then asked Jewish students to raise their hands, unquote, and separated them from their belongings, explaining that he was simulating what Jews were doing to Palestinians, Cohen told the, told the Chronicle. Cohen said the lecturer asked students how many people had died in the Holocaust. When one student answered six million, she said, the lecturer replied, yes, only six million. Students said the lecturer then told them more people died as a result of colonialism than in the Holocaust and that colonization was what happened to the Palestinians. They also said the students recalled the lecturer separating people in both classes into different groups based on their identities and backgrounds and calling them colonizers and colonized. Rabbi Don Greenberg, the director of the Shabbat Stanford Jewish Center, told Forward that the students he spoken to recounted the teacher telling Jewish students to take their belongings and stand in a corner and saying, quote, this is what Israel does to the Palestinians. Greenberg said that he had spoken to three students who attended the class and citing their accounts that the lecturer had said, quote, colonizers killed more than six million. Israel is a colonizer. In a statement, Stanford University said, quote, without prejudging the matter, this report is a cause for serious concern. 
Academic freedom does not permit the identity-based targeting of students. The instructor in this course is not currently teaching while the university works to ascertain the facts of the situation, unquote. Cohen and Maldestam did not immediately respond to a request by Insider for comment. Stanford University declined to comment on the investigation and directed Insider to a statement on its website. The new outbreak of violence between Hamas and Israel has led to a spike in tension on U.S. college campuses. Uh, with a truck driving this week around Harvard identifying students it had, it said, had signed a document blaming Israel for the war. Insider, Insider this week reported that at least five Harvard student, Harvard University student associations were backpedaling on their support for a joint letter blaming Israel for the Hamas attack. What we see happening in the world today is what we always, what we've always saying. It's a, it's, you know, again, it's a consequence of the fall. Um, but more important to the point, we see what happens when, you know, people get angry and upset about something and they use their power and their privilege as an opportunity to try to prove a point. Um, the professor should not have done what he did. I don't know, you know, whether the professor was of, you know, of Israeli descent or, you know, Palestinian descent. Um, but he should not have used his classroom as an opportunity to make those students feel what he was feeling on the inside. Um, though he may have some points about the fact that Israeli, that, that Israel may be a colonizer. I'm not going to get into the politics of all of that. Um, the classroom was not a place for him to do a demonstration of that magnitude. And again, if you go and going back to the story, he said this was an impromptu instruction. And so he was feeling some type of way about what he saw. And so he decided to use his classroom as a way to exercise, exorcise the feelings that he had about what was going on out in the world. You have every right to feel some type of way. What, who, it doesn't matter whose side you're on, whether you're on Israel's side or Palestinian side. You have every right to feel how you want to feel about it. It's not about the feeling so much as it is about how you act on account of the feelings. For many of us, for all of us, you know, we, we're going to have feelings. In the therapy that I teach, I tell people all the time, you know, you know you're going to have feelings. Things are going to make you feel some type of way. Even Jesus himself said, get angry, be angry. It's okay to be angry. You know, it's okay, but sin not. Um, uh, what is an impromptu discussion? So impromptu for, for, um, for, for teachers is when you go off script. Um, you have a curriculum that you typically follow. And whenever you go off script, off of the script of your curriculum, that is known as an impromptu discussion or an impromptu conversation. Um, and so sometimes, you know, there's some wiggle room within curriculums where if there's some hot topic going on in the world, you have some room to kind of go off script. Um, and so that's what this professor did. He went totally off script of whatever his class is to have this discussion about what was going on. And he prayed, he, and he exercised his... Um, his his power in the in the classroom in the wrong way um so again you know you're gonna have your feelings and this professor had feelings about what was going on and it's okay 
have your feelings. I mean, this that's a very tragic situation that's going on, you know, um, in the in the Middle East right now. Like it sucks that that's going on right now. It's okay to feel that way, but to then take those feelings and then man let them allow them to manifest themselves in a way to where I'm gonna show this classroom, you know, what it feels like to be in their shoes, dude. That wasn't it. That's not the way. Because now what you've done is you've if you, as you have you've marked these kids for target, you know, and if anybody else has any type of hatred toward one person or another, you've now made them targets. And it's, it's very easy to plant a seed in people's minds and then have them go and let that seed manifest itself by virtue of going online, you know, going on TikTok and all this other type of stuff and getting in these echo chambers. And in these echo chambers, now all of a sudden, I'm feeling some type of way because, yeah, 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 I'm really upset. It's really their fault. I'm, I, I see now it's their fault. And you're only seeing it from one side. Because, again, let's, let's call a spade a spade. You're only seeing it from one side. You're not seeing it from all sides. You're only seeing it from one side, not getting the total picture of what's going on. And now you want to go on the offensive about it. And what this professor did is stoked fire, stoked flames. And as a result of that, thank goodness Sanford suspended the, the lecturer. Like, no, nah, we, we can't, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing this. One, you went off script in the first place. So you didn't tell, so you didn't talk to any of the department heads about what you were getting ready to do. Didn't consult anybody. Like, hey, you know, I see what's going on out in the news world today. I think we need to address this. This is the way that I'm trying to address it. What do you think about that? You know, how can I go about addressing what's going on in a way that's, you know, conducive to the classroom learning environment and that sort of thing? Instead, you go off script, off kilter and decide I'm just going to do I'm going to do what I want to do because I because I feel because I'm feeling some type of way. So you just abandon your responsibility to the to the um to the um I ain't going to call them kids, but you to the to the to the class. You know, you're going to abandon your responsibilities to them knowing that you are influential. You hold a seat. You hold power. You, you, hold, you hold responsibility in your hands. And, you, and, and thank God that Stanford is holding this lecturer accountable to what he did. Because, again, there's no telling what type of hatred these kids now are going to be faced with as a result of his actions. The, the ramifications of this of this class being taught, we don't know what the scope of those things are going to be. And Nicole just said, oh, don't we do that in church? That's exactly what we do in the church. That's exactly what happens in the church. You know, in, in some churches, not all of them, but some of them, where we'll sometimes utilize the seat that we have and we'll put our feelings, you, girl, you took the words right out of my mouth, Put our feelings above the bigger picture, which is to glorify God and making disciples, you know. And as a result of that, you know, we 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 um we abuse the power that we have. We abuse the seat that we have rather than taking responsibility for and 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 and, and holding ourselves accountable for the people that we're in charge of. Instead, we I can do what I want to do because I'm in this seat. Instead of looking at the seat as a way to and, and leveraging the seat for the sake of the people that we serve. And so, again, we always have to consider whenever we're in a seat of a seat of authority, when we're in a seat of power, when we have a responsibility to others, that we not let our feelings about something dictate what we do. 
We can't let our feelings get in the way of what's right. We can't let our feelings get in the way of what is true. I just got done telling somebody this yesterday because, um, you know, she she's always governing what she does based off of how she feels. She's always saying, well, it's just how I felt. This is just how I was feeling at the time. This is how I felt. It, it's how I felt. And this is how I feel. And that's why I did. This I was feeling this way. I don't like feeling this way, but that's how I felt. And so I acted how I felt. And I said, the problem with that is that you're not allowing your feelings to be hit with the truth. Because, yes, you might feel some type of way and you are entitled to your feelings. But are your feelings validated by the truth? Because sometimes your feelings are counter to the truth. And if you're not looking at the truth and seeing what it is, then you're liable to be run ram the run ramshod just by how you feel. And scripture tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. And it is the truth that sets us free, not our feelings. Our feelings don't set us free. The truth sets us free. So we have to say, yes, I feel this way and this is the truth. And couple those things together so that we act appropriately in a way that is God honoring, that glorifies him. And, you know, as best as we can help it, makes peace with all men. When are in the seats of power, in the seats of prestige, in the seats of authority that we have, we have to be ever so careful that we're not being driven by our feelings. We're not being driven to do things that are that are counter to what God would have us to do. We have to be so careful that we don't allow our feelings to dictate what it is that, you know, what it is that we are supposed to, what it is that we're supposed to be doing. I, you can feel how you want to feel. You know, I got, I got you, I got you, boo. Mwah. I can feel how I want to feel. And this is the truth. And now, so now what do I do with it? Am I going to continue to wallow in my feelings? Or am I going to let the truth guide me? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can go by your feelings if you want to. Again, feel how you feel. Jesus said, be angry, but sin not. So feel your feelings. Own them. Honor them. They're there. Feelings are neither good nor bad. God gave them to us. God gave us feelings. He gave them to us, right? But at the same time, don't let those feelings guide you in the wrong direction. Don't let them guide you into doing things that you shouldn't do. There was no reason for this professor to go off script, have impromptu lessons, not one, but two impromptu lessons to exercise the demons he was feeling on the inside about what's going on in the Middle East. In such a heinous way to where he's segregating the classroom and saying y'all are colonizers and y'all are the colonized. There was no reason for him to do that in an attempt to exercise his own issues and exercise his own demons. There was no reason for him to do that. And yet in his feelings, coupled with the seat of authority that he was in by running this classroom, he decided not once but twice 
to do to do something that hurt the feelings of his people of his classroom and is now possibly going to cost him his career. There is no reason for him to do that. No reason for him to act out that way. No reason for him to to put his feelings before the responsibility and the accountability toward the kids. No reason for him to put his feelings above their academic needs. If he wanted to exercise those demons, he could have got the department heads together and they just could have had a conversation. If he were if he wanted that badly to exercise those demons, man, call a friend. Like, you know, call your boys, call your girl, call somebody. And let's talk about it. But to go off script that way and treat people harshly the way that you did and feel justified on it. We as the people in the believers of God, we have to always remember that, yes, we have our feelings, but we cannot let our feelings dictate our faith. We cannot let our feelings allow us to be be swayed one way or another. Feelings are fleeting, but the truth is everlasting. And by us knowing the truth, knowing Jesus who is the truth, we have to allow God to get in that space Again, own the feelings. Don't don't push them away. Don't put don't suppress them. Own them. And then couple them with the truth. For if we couple them with the truth, we can be sure that if we if God is our the way, the truth, and the life, He is our lead, He is our guide, then we can trust and believe that He will never steer us in the wrong direction. He may lead us into the wilderness, but he promises that he's going to be with us every step of the way. He may lead us into the valley, but we don't have to fear the shadow of death because God is with us. There may be some dark nights of the soul where death feels like our, it's, our own, it's the closest friend that we have. But we can trust and believe that though weeping may endure for a night, joy will come in the morning. And so we, the believers in God... We do not have to be dictated or run by our feelings. If we're in seats of authority, don't abuse your power. If you're especially, I'm talking to the believers. I'm talking to the believers in the house. If you are in a seat of authority and you are a believer in Jesus, don't abuse your power. Leverage the space that God has put you in so that the light of Christ can shine. So that people may see your good works and glorify God. We are to leverage the spaces that God has placed us in so that people can see the God in us, not for us to abuse our power because we have the seat. Again, if you are a believer in God, you know, we have the blueprint. Okay, we got the blueprint. We got the blueprint. Philippians chapter two, starting at verse number five. Um, Have this mind. Oh no! So let me start. Let me start. No, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with verse one. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. 
let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We, the believers in God, look to Jesus as the ultimate example of humbling oneself and leveraging the power and the position that we hold so that somebody else can, you know, can, can, can be, be saved, be delivered, be, you know, taken care of, um, you know, make sure that their needs are being met. We see the example of Jesus and we can ask ourselves the question, pray to God, God help me to not think of myself more highly than I ought to think. Because even though you may put me in a position of power, even though I may be in a position of influence, God, I'm still just a lowly servant in your kingdom. And this seat that you've given me is mine today, can be gone tomorrow. Let me not abuse the seat that I'm in, but let me leverage it for your namesake. Let me do what you've called me here to do and to do so in a way that that doesn't take advantage of the people that you put me in, in, in charge of. This professor had no business doing this impromptu lecture two days in, two days running, in an attempt to exercise his own feelings. He had no business doing that. That was an abuse of power on his part and an outer in a, in a messed up outer working of his of his feelings. Both of those he should have took to the cross. God, help me to deal with my feelings that I got going on in my heart. And help me to not abuse the seat that I'm in. If it's that important for me to teach these kids what's going on in the world today in the Middle East, let me go to my department heads. Let me go to the department chair. and Let me talk to them and ask them, how can I teach a class on this? And, you know, do so in a way that is conducive to the learning experience and not just me, you know, shooting off at the hip. And in doing so, it would have given him much more credibility. The um, class, class, whether the class respected him more or not would have been a no matter because, you know, kids going to be kids, you know, especially freshmen, you know, do they really care? I don't know. But at least he would still have his job and we wouldn't have a whole news story on him talking about how, you know, he sat there and put people in a corner and called them colonizers. Like, that was just uncalled for. Just utterly uncalled for. 
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 1,200 likes that you have given this show thus far. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you've missed any part of this recording or would like to hear past episodes, go to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe and follow the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast right there at your convenience it's every episode from it from our inception to now thank you for every gift that you have given if you've um given any gift know that none of the money goes to me it all goes straight to the ministry to keep up our subscriptions and to keep up our website and so we're thankful for you guys and your continued viewership we will be right back here on the true gospel morning show in just a moment Watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, certainly thank you for the 1,200 likes that we have received thus far on the show, and continue to get those likes up if you if you so desire to do so. Um, we're gonna jump into a topic right now. Um, a rapper by the name, a Christian rapper by the name of D1, posted this video uh, this video three days ago. Um, stated in the the, the um. The caption says, the impact of these men and women's actions on our youth is absolutely real. At some point, we got to stop making excuses for the continued normalization of such overtly sexually explicit hip hop. And I'm going to listen to what he said on Hardly Initiated right now. You got Lotto on stage acting like she's giving somebody head, you heard me, with the microphone and she's on stage at the Rolling Loud Festival and, and she's acting like she's giving somebody head. You think little girls ain't looking at that being like, oh, bet, well, that's my favorite rapper, so if that's what she doing with her time on stage, that must be what I gotta do. 
when I get in that position with a dude. Or maybe it makes me curious to want to get in that position with a dude as a young woman watching that. When you got Janelle Monet, very smart, educated, talented woman, but when she get on stage at Essence Fest and she chooses to lift her shirt up and show her breast, they call it sexual liberation, but it's really just, you just trying to go viral. That's all that is. But you got all these women that's like, bet, I guess that's not inappropriate behavior. When you got Megan Thee Stallion turning Essence Fest into a twerk fest, Man, you got young women thinking that that's acceptable behavior. And that's considered real. And then the media gonna put her on the cover of all these magazines. And she's woman of the year here and, and wins this award for this and all that. And that's just the women, bro. Let's not talk about the men who are constantly disrespecting women in the music. And we've normalized the biggest rapper in the world. Drake goes on tour with 21 Savage. You got a big old piece of sperm flying over you and over the crowd through your set. Imagine, like, it's impossible for adolescents to not be impacted and influenced by this. Like, the, the degradation of women in hip-hop culture has become so normalized. And again, that's from rapper D1. Um, and you can follow him on TikTok and um, um, in uh, Instagram, Facebook, wherever um, your favorite... Um, you know, social media platforms are. Um, but in that space, um, we've tightened and we have been talking about this ever since the inception of, um, of, of hip hop, but it's, it's more prevalent than ever before in the world that we live in today, where, you know, our young people are, um, now you know what? No, I ain't even gonna say the young people though. I'm gonna say people and I'm gonna get into why in a minute. But we have created a culture and an environment where being sexually explicit is the name of the business today. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's run so rampant in our world and in our culture today um, that at this point, to not be sexually explicit is considered weird. Um, in the days that, the day and time that we live in, like, we glorify you know, these, these people who wear barely anything, you know, talk about, you know, being precipitous down there, you know, talking to in, in the, I mean, the lyrics are just absolute trash now. Um, even though, and I'm in my generation, in my time, you know, I know we had our songs, you know, Silk, let me lick you up and down till you say stop, you know, so I, you know, we had R. Kelly 12 play. You know, we, we had our nastiness, too. I'm going to be a freak until the day, until the dawn. You know, my neck, my back. I know we had some bad lyrics, too, okay? We had some bad lyrics. So I ain't out here just trying to perpetuate, like, this, this, this wasn't what we were doing. But it seems like, by and large, everybody is singing this stuff now. It used to be like it was like a little pocket, you know, where you had a little pocket of, you know, the sexually explicit stuff. But then, the, but it was a pocket in a vast, you know, swarm of variety of music where your, your poetry and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I mean, right, right. You know, uh, Leah said I started dressing modest. The boy said I was dressing golf. You feel me? Like, gone are the days where you could have a variety of, 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 of a variety of options, so to speak, in terms of how you choose to be. Nowadays, it's like everybody wants to be sexually explicit when you, and you, when you all you got to do is scroll through tiktok you know my wife and i joked about it 
um, you know, that, you know, I was a deer caught in headlights a lot when I first got on TikTok because as soon as you get on TikTok in the beginning, you got to get the algorithm to work right. They're showing you everything. And these ladies and these dudes are out here showing everything. You know, I'm surprised at what they're able to get away with. You know, because, you know, some of this stuff is straight up. You might as well be on OnlyFans. You might as well be on Pornhub at this point because of what you are putting out there for the algorithm to pick up. And so as a result of that, like, you know, this is the, what, this is the norm now. And it just about everybody, when you look at their Instagrams, when you look at their TikToks, when you look at their Facebooks, when you look at all their things, you know, by and large, we see that our society has gone down this path where everybody thinks this is the norm or this is not the outlier anymore. Every person's posing in the sexy poses and taking the sexy pics like it's it, it, like it's like it's the norm now. You know, everybody's, you know, doing, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, you know, showing off the chest and, you know, the six pack abs and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, by and large, this has become the norm now. Now, again, in no way am I saying you don't have the freedom to do what you want to do. That's not what I'm saying. You want to do that. That's fine. But what we're saying is in a world that we live in today, we often are so hypocritical where we're doing all these things, we're doing all these things while simultaneously wondering why are our kids falling into the same traps? We're the ones building the traps. We're the, the adults in the room are the ones that are building the traps. We are the ones that are hyping up these, you know, these people we're the ones that are hyping up the folks who, you know, we say are, you know, are influencing our kids and are influencing the ones who are, you know, who are saying be loud and be proud and be sexual and all these sort of things. But then wonder why are our kids twerking at four? Why are our kids singing, you know, the worst? Thing? And again, like I said, we were doing it too. Like, I don't know why my mama thought it was okay for me to be listening to Silk talking about licking stuff up and down. You know, I thought she was talking about a lollipop. Thought she was talking about a popsicle. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. So, you know, we ain't had no business singing them songs. Some of them songs we were singing. But, at the, but again, neither do they. And again, it seems like everybody, the vast majority of our songs now are so explicit, are so flipping explicit. Like there's nothing left to the imagination at all. N not in the videos, not on their pages. You know, people go out of their way now to be as sexy as possible, sexually explicit as possible so that they can get the likes so that they can get their brand up, you know, when you have, you know, people who, you know, they only put out one song a year, maybe two, but because of all the content that they have, because all of the pictures that they've taken, they're now considered to be the baddest people in hip hop today. How is it that a person named Sexy Red, who songs are trash, trash, is, is, is hosting giving awards out, her name is in lights every other weekend, there's some new story about this chick, 
Why? Why is that? Because we are pumping her up. We're lifting her up. Society is lifting her up as the new standard. This is the one. This is the one that we're holding to be the next person. And everybody like her. In the same vein, we keep pumping these people up. And lifting them up as if they are the standard now. And so again, by and large, this is why we see our children, they're, 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 they're falling into the traps. Where they think that this is normal for them. This is normal for them. And as our world gets wiser, our world gets weaker. As our world gets wiser, our world gets weaker. Because now we feel like, can't nobody tell me what to do. I do what I want to do. And some of us even have the audacity to tag God's name on it. I want to thank God for the lyrics. I want to thank God for, you know, putting me on this platform where, where was God in that? Where was God in that? Like, you're literally out here putting everything but God in everything that you're talking about, but have the nerve to then hold the trophy up and say to God be the glory for what, he, for, for, for what he's done. And for a lot of us, you know, this is what we're, one, fighting up against, but two, and more to the point, we are celebrating. As a culture, we are celebrating this. And so we have to be ever so careful, ever so careful, that we are intelligent and wise enough, wise as serpents, to see what's happening in the world and to try our hardest to steer our children in a different direction. I'm not saying that we need to be prudes and just, no, you never, no, don't ever listen to that. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to be informed. And we need to let our children know, yeah, the, the beat may be good and all, but baby, what are they saying? What are they saying? Because I was, I went to my twenty-year um, high school reunion um, this past Saturday, and some of the songs that we used to dance to, Yin Yang Twins and them, I'm listening to it now. Like I danced to that, can't tell. You know, they had this one song they played. I was like, and I'm just watching all of them, and they're like, they know every lyric. To every song, to, to the whole song, I'm like, look at that. But at the end of the day, it's what we listen to. At the end of the day, it's what our kids are listening to. And we can only hope that as they hear these things, they are informed enough in the Lord to where they can hear it, but not become a part of it. They can hear it. And have a disgust in their souls that steers them away from it and not toward it. That they don't mistake the truth about God for a lie and worship creation rather than creator. The uh, Keisha Bree says you got teachers singing these songs to students to get their attention to class. It's facts. Remixing the lyrics. To be more kid appropriate for the classroom or class appropriate for the for the lesson that they're teaching. But yeah, perpetuating it. Absolutely. 
Absolutely that happens. But what we have to realize, what we have to understand is that we have to, you know, be informed of what's going on and we have to ensure that our children are not falling for the hype. I say it, I say it like this. We, as the people of God, have to make sure that we're doing a, a good enough job of teaching our children what the gospel is, who Jesus is, so that they do not fall for the counterfeits. Jesus said, there are many who are going to come into the world who are going to say, I am the Christ. The word Christ is not talking about, I'm Jesus. They're going to say, I'm the chosen one. Christ, the chosen one. You have a lot of people out here in this world who are saying, I'm the one you need to follow. And what are we doing now? In TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram, follow me. Follow me. So you got a lot of people out here who are saying, I am the Christ. I am the chosen one. Follow me. And people who have itching ears will heap up for themselves leaders who are not teaching sound doctrine. That isn't just talking about teachers in the church, although that's a big part of it. It's talking about people in the world too. That we're lifting up people who will scratch our itching ears and make us feel good about what we want to do. Now, keep in mind, I always, and I'm, I'm so glad, thank you, God, always keep in mind, tree is known by the fruit it bears. I don't know whether these people have a relationship with God or not, but you sure ain't fruity, right? So if they don't have a relationship with God, we cannot expect them to stop making their music. We cannot expect them to keep lifting themselves up. We cannot expect them to stop degrading women in the rap songs. We cannot expect women to stop degrading themselves in the music and stop lifting themselves up as bad bees and just this they way to get their money. We cannot expect people to get off of the um, social medias in, 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 in light of trying to entice people to get to their pages and go to their OnlyFans and go to their, you know, corn hubs and all that type of stuff. Like, we can't expect unbelievers to stop because they're not. They are reveling in what they do. They are worshiping the gods that they serve. So rather than trying to stop them, we can, we're going to pray for them. But our job is not to try to stop them. Our job is to teach the gospel to as many people as we can so that they can spot a fake. Tim Ross said it like this, and y'all, I use this example all the time. Tim Ross said that when you work for the U.S. Treasury, they literally, in your training, sit you in a room with bills. Dollar bills. $5 bills, $10 bills, $1 bills, $20 bills, $50 bills, $100 bills. And for months, all you're doing is studying. Studying the money. Studying every facet of a bill. Every nook, every cranny, every letter, every piece of ink. You are studying these bills. And then every so often, they'll slip in a counterfeit. They'll slip in a fake. And your job, if you want to move on, you got to figure out where it's at. You got to, 
That don't look right to me. Um, this don't look. This ain't quite right. There's something wrong with this one. Like this one doesn't. The the nose is a little crooked, or the the letter is just a little bit off, or it doesn't feel like it's supposed to. This doesn't. This thing. This this doesn't feel right to me. That is what we as the believers in God should be training our children up in. That I'm not going to teach you to stop listening to Lotto. That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you how to know the gospel well enough to where when you hear Lotto, you're not ascribing to what Lotto is saying. Because what Lotto is saying is not the truth. I'm not going to stop you from listening to Drake. Listen to Drake. But be so informed about who Jesus is. That when you listen to Drake, you're not being influenced by Drake to live a life pattern after Drake's words. I'm not going to stop you from, you know, from watching, you know, uh, a movie, you know, but I'm going to give I'm going to give you the gospel to where you know whether or not this movie is good for your soul or not. And then you make a decision. You make a choice. Now, I will limit as much as I can. Keep you get shielded and guarded as much as I can. But I know even the even the even the bit the best shields on earth, kids gonna find a way to circumvent. So I'm gonna do my best, shield and guard as much as I can. But the job, the task is not just to shield and block and guard. the The job is to teach the gospel, teach the truth, so that way you can spot a fake. Part of the reason why the true gospel ministry exists. Is because I got so frustrated in my spirit by about because of pe because people are falling for false gospels all the time, all the time. And so you know my my so my desire is to teach people the true gospel, so that you can spot a fake, so that you can spot when something's not true, spot when something's not real. Spot something that that ain't quite right. Like it, it got some truth in it, but even Satan can twist the truth and make people think that it's God when it's really not. So I need to be able to spot it. I need to be able to see it. I tasted the scene that the Lord is good. So that don't taste like Jesus to me. That don't sound like Jesus to me. It doesn't feel like Jesus to me. And let's dig into this word and find out why. The hip-hop culture is trying to say, this is life. You wonder why we ha why people are such horn dogs today? It's because a lot of people have taken to what these people are saying in these songs, and they think this is life. Why everybody? Why a lot of women want a high value man, or women want to, you know, to to to, to have, you know, high value women, or whatever they're called? It's because they have been listening to people and taking their word as gospel. Why everybody's so busy trying to get that bag? They've been listening to a lot of people, a lot of influencers, Christ's false Christ's, and thinking that this is the way. The way to peace is through a high-value man. The way to peace is through a bad B. The way to peace is through getting that bag. The way to peace is through getting that car. The way to peace is by getting that job. 
I was talking, thank you, Holy Ghost. I was talking to somebody the other day. Um, and he was saying, you know, that he was so depressed on the inside because he just felt like he needed to be at a job where he's respected and where he gets to climb the ladder and when he gets to be successful and be the person that he's always seen himself to be. And no one's ever given him the opportunity and no one's ever. And I, and I just kept hearing him say, you know, how he defines the good life, how he defines being a person, how he defines being a man. And he defines it by being up, up this rising up this ladder is like dude your 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 identity is resting on your success on a job brother jobs are here today and going tomorrow why is your identity being linked to a job that's not who you are but we for whatever reason or another, we take on these identifiers based on what we allow to influence us. And we think that those are the way. No, and some of us do this knowing what Jesus said. I'm not talking, you know me, I don't really talk to unbelievers like that. I'm talking to the believers. We the believers know that Jesus is the way. And yet we are influenced by all this other stuff, thinking those things subliminally and subconsciously are the way. And when we're sitting around listening in our echo chambers and in our headphones, the explicit content that we listen to one song after another, after another, after another, after another, it's no wonder you envision yourself this way. It's no wonder that our women, you know, nowadays are so obsessed with getting BBLs. Because they because of what they value themselves, how they value themselves, they're competing with all these other women, all these other influencers on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook in an attempt to try to get more likes and get more follows and get more shares and possibly get more dollars on the on the OnlyFans. Because they're being influenced by what they see in here. And again, by and large, our children are falling for the traps because it sounds real good and it makes me want to move and twerk and all that other stuff. When Jesus says, those are all false Christs. And I told you they were coming. We as influencers have a responsibility to point people to the one. Follow me as I follow Christ, but don't follow me so much to where I'm the only source of Christ for you. Because Christ should be the source at some point. You shouldn't need me to get to him. You can get to him on your own. Again, I'm not expecting unbelievers to stop posting their pictures. I'm not expecting unbelievers to stop trying to look sexy. I'm not expecting unbelievers to stop listening to explicit content. I'm not expecting unbelievers to um to to not pattern themselves after what they see and what they're influenced by. But for the believers, I'm saying to us, we have to be more mindful of what we're consuming more mindful of what we are allowing into our ear spaces and in our ear gates <clears throat> so that we are not ending up being influenced by things that were never meant to influence us. 
our tendency as as uh, as believers is to kind of just let those things kind of just happen on earth. We're just gonna pray about it. We're just gonna pray about it. No, we should be in an active pursuit of trying to say what is true, say what is false, so that people have a choice. I said this before, and I'll say it again. My desire is to give people a fighting chance. That, that that's the that's the desire that I have in me. I I'm re, as I as I walk more closer as I walk closer to God every day, I'm realizing what it is that God is want what what it is that I want to do for Him, you know. And I pray that He allows me the space to do it. But I just want to give people a fighting chance. I can't make people believe in Jesus. Y'all y'all see the unbelievers that come through this thing and they talk about the, God ain't real and God is it got it. I cool. That's what's up. It's your prerogative. I just want to give people a fighting chance. Cuz this world out here, Satan and his influences, they are run, they are man, they are running us ramshod it feels like at times. Now I know at the end of the day we win, but to see how messed up this world is becoming, it's sad. It is sad. But we're so content with just talking about getting money and getting and getting, you know, money coming to our house and we're one we're, we're in prayer away from our blessing and one prayer away from our miracle. Dude, we're, we're, we're not ready for the, we're not ready for battle. We want to sit pretty in our houses and do nothing. But it's wait on Jesus to come back and get us. We're not equipping anybody for, for, for the battle. But wonder why our kids don't wonder why people don't want to go to church no more. Wonder why people don't feel the need to know God anymore. Wonder why people are running to, you know, the um the, the Hebrew Israel the Hebrew um Israelites, you know, running to um, you know, Islam and run into, you know, New Age and run into crystals and run into, you know, the ancestors of Africa and run into all those other places. It's because we as the people of God, we're not giving them Jesus. We're giving them a pseudo form of Christianity, but it is not doing anything for their souls. So their souls are still searching. And they figure, well, Jesus couldn't do it. Let me go find something else. What are we doing to help people see the difference so that they're not influenced by all these other gods that are out there, all these false Christs that are out there? It's a sad day, and I'm going to say it, I don't care. I might get, I might get, might get kicked off, but y'all, I don't, I don't care. It's a sad day in the world where you know more about Beyonce than you do about Jesus. I'm talking to the believers. It's a sad day in the world when you know more about Taylor Swift and who she's dating than you know about Jesus. It's a sad day. You'll follow Beyonce everywhere she goes. Listen to every song she puts out. But try to get to see her as many times as you can in concert. It's the same concert, but you want to see it six or seven times. But you know more about her tour dates then you know about Jesus. Again, I'm talking to believers. I ain't talking to the unbelievers. Unbelievers, y'all do what you want to do. I pray that you have a relationship with the Lord. God loves you, wants a relationship with you, but I ain't talking to you. Believers, it's a sad day when you know more about your celebrities and your influencers and you know more about your TikTokers than you do 
Jesus. You know every lyric to every song that Lotto puts out, but you barely know seven scriptures. I wish I could have seen Beyonce too. I would have loved to have seen Beyonce one time. But, you know, you got some people that are so obsessed with Beyonce, they, they done seen her 20 times. I mean, talking about blown whole checks. Talking about how we going to pay these bills. But I got to see Beyonce. Yay. You can, you can go see Beyonce, but be fiscally responsible and don't know more about her and what she got going on than you do about your, sa your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You, you still quoting the same seven scriptures you've been quoting your whole life and don't know any other scriptures but them. God will do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. But you know every lyric to every song. Know every lyric to every song, every remix. Know the dances. Know the dances to the dances. All we're saying is that if, if you're going to be informed about everybody else in the world, make sure you're more informed about Jesus than anybody else. That's all we're saying. All we're saying is that Jesus should supersede everything else. Don't be, don't be ignorant of the world, but don't allow your knowledge of the world become your desire. Let God be the ultimate desire of your heart. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie E. right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are grateful for the 1,900 likes that we have received thus far and thankful for every like, follow, share, and comment. Feel free to comment down in that comment box below with any questions or concerns that you may have. And if you do ask a legitimate question, your question will be answered on a later episode of the True Gospel Morning Show. Oh, we're so thankful um, that you guys are here. Um, if you've missed any part of this recording or you wish to listen to past episodes, feel free to stop by Spotify or Apple Podcasts and get on the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. I'll go ahead and hit that subscribe button, hit that follow button, and you can listen to every episode that we have put on since the beginning of the show. Uh, we're so grateful for you, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with the Monday to Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Someone asked a question yesterday. Um, should women cut their hair um, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 11? And so I'm going to spend a few moments talking to you guys about 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and whether or not women should wear their hair long or short. Um, and, um, before I get into it, uh, Keisha Bree, thank you so much. I really do appreciate you. And Kay Marie, um, yeah, you always gonna get a little jig out of me every now and then. So, you know, just grateful, love my music, you know, so it's gonna be with, you know, gonna, gonna make it do what it do. Um, but turn with, me, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I don't know why I'm feeling like going and morphing into British right now, but I'm gonna do it because it just feels like the right thing to do in my spirit right now. Okay, starting at verse number two. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is gold. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head but every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair off or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image of the glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature te itself teach that if your man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of gold. Alright, so what do we have happening in these scriptures in this text? Okay, um, This is why biblical literacy is important. We have to understand the context in which this, this, um, this is being written and as such apply accordingly to what is being um, to the prescription through which this description is being given. Okay? The context in which 1 Corinthians was written is that they're in a city called Corinth. And in that city, there are a lot of women who do not keep their heads covered. Those women who don't keep their heads covered were considered harlots. And you know what harlots do. So part of the reason that Paul was telling them to keep their head covered was because if they didn't, the people in the city would think that they are harlots. And would try to proper to tr give them propositions to go do things with them that were unseemly, especially if they were married. Okay, so that's the first and the biggest part. They live in a city 
where the culture, the dominant culture, is not Christian. And so their cultural practices are different in such a way to where if we practice the freedom of keeping our heads uncovered, people might mistake us to be something that we're not. As a result of that, women, keep your head covered so that people ain't out here thinking that you part of this culture and they come rubbing up against you saying, hey, I'm ready for a good time. How much you, how much you, um, how much you selling it for? That's number one. Number two, Paul is speaking to us as it pertains to the nature and the character of the relationship that we have with God. He's saying that husbands and wives are in joyful submission one to another, just as Christ, God, and the Holy Spirit are in joyful submission to one another. As such, um, as men, you know, we naturally bald, naturally go bald. Women naturally have their hair for all eternity, as far as we can tell. You lucky jerks. We shouldn't try to circumvent nature by circumventing the character and the nature of God as it pertains to the character and nature of man. That men and women are in joyful submission to one another as man is the head of woman, but we are still equal in the eyes of God in such that even though the hierarchy might be such, Men are joyfully submitting to women as women are joyfully submitting to men. There is a joyful submission in that space where we are constantly submitting one to another. Go back to Philippians chapter 2 when it says, We look not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. So there is a, a joyful submission there, right? As it pertains again to head coverings. In that culture... Men weren't covering their heads. In that culture, men weren't trying to put hair on their heads. In that culture, women's hair grew long. And in that culture, women weren't out there cutting their heads, trying to shave their heads. Trying to shave their heads. And so, <clears throat> and so, what, so what God was saying was, distinguish yourself in such a way to where you are seen to be who you are. So if you're a man, look like a man in this culture. If you are a woman, look like a woman in this culture. So what is he saying to us? What is the prescription that we are seeing in this text? There are two things going on in that, in that text. One, don't look like the world. We just got done talking about how we live in a hypersexualized culture in, in today's time, right? So everybody's out here trying to look, trying to, you know, gain, trying to take advantage of their goodies and all this other type of stuff. And so they're doing what the culture does. We are supposed to run counterculture to the world. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. One more time. We're in it, but we're not of it. So we are to run counterculture, countercultural to mainstream. We're not supposed to look like them. 
But now, what does that mean? Because you have people that think, well, that means I should never put on a bikini. I never said that. Never said that. If it's hot out there, 90,000 degrees on the beach, and you want to wear a bikini because it's hot, or you want to wear a bikini because it's cute on you, go wear your bikini and be free. But your intention matters. Your intention matters. Don't look like the world. So don't pattern yourself after the world. You want to wear you want to wear your 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 um your 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 speedos, men, and show off your your, your six pack or your belly or whatever at the beach. Do what you do. But what is your intent? Don't pattern yourself to look like or act like the world. So I'm not saying that women can't be sexy. I'm not saying that men can't be suave. All I'm saying is check your motives. What are you doing it for? Are you patterning yourself after the world? To be among the world? To be one among them? Or are you doing it because I just, I just want to look cute today. This is for me. Check your motives. Do not pattern yourself after the world. That's the first thing. Don't look like the world. Don't let them mistake you. And if they mistake you for being a part of the world, check them. But then just check yourself to make sure you're not putting your, the, as much as you can help it, not putting yourself in that position. That's number one. Number two, more importantly, be who God called you to be. Don't be something else than what God called you to be. If God called you to be a man, be a man. If God called you to be a woman, be a woman. It's, it's that simple. Now you can take that, take with that what you will. But what he's saying in this context is run countercultural to what the culture says you are and what the culture says you do. If you're a man, be a man. If you're a woman, be a woman. Because the nature of man and woman is a reflection of the nature and the character of the Godhead. Our relationship to our spouses. And if you notice, they talk a lot about man and woman as it pertains to husband and wife. Right? The nature and the character of our marriages is a picture of the relationship that God has with himself and that Christ has with the church. So we are to pattern ourselves in such a way to where we can be distinctive and be distinguished. Because we are a reflection of the Godhead. We are a reflection of what God has called us to be. We are a reflection of the image of God. And so what Paul is describing is not a prescription. So women do not have to have their heads covered in today's culture. As a result of their grace being upheld. Because our culture is not such to where if you don't if you don't have your head covered, somebody gonna run up on you and be like, hey, what you selling? 
so women don't have to keep their heads covered in order to show the glory of God. That's, it's, a, it's a description, not a prescription. Men, if y'all want hair plugs, go get hair plugs. You don't have to be bald if you don't want to be. This is a description, not a prescription. So you ain't, well, I got to be bald because the, the Bible say, you know, that the, the man shouldn't have long hair. Description, not prescription. This is why I say a lot. You got to know how to read your Bibles. Because if you don't know how to read your Bibles, you'll find yourself in pockets and positions where people will come up with, with these questions and we won't know how to answer them. Except to say, well, the Bible said it's not that simple, even though it is that simple, but it's not that simple. What is the context? What is happening in this space? And what is it addressing and what does it mean? We cannot make the Bible mean for us what it did not mean for them. So it means we got to understand where they were and what was going on in that time frame to understand what's being said. So no, women don't have to have their head covered when they pray. In today's culture, a, a woman can rock a bald head and be fly. It's not disgraceful for a woman to not have her to not have hair on her head. It's not disgraceful. In the in the society that we live in today, having her hair uncovered is not going to cause people to want to you know. I mean, well, I mean, it's not gonna have them roll up on them and be like, okay, how much you selling it for? Her hair is not the glory of man. Her hair is the glory of God. So however she chooses to rock it, let her rock it. But be who God has called you to be. That is the, is the, is the prescription that we get from the description that Paul gives us in that space. You guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank you guys so much for um, your continued viewership and hope that you guys are having a fantastic day in the name of the Lord. Uh, give me one second to sign back in because I got to get, I thought I had it ready and prepped, but I do not. So I need to go in and re-sign into these things so I can get the stories back um so give me one second though to see what's going on here and I, probably, and I know i didn't say second right but you know it is what it is um let's see where did i put it um where did i put it um oh man i thought i sent it to myself Oh, I did. I sent it to myself. Got it. Okay. It is right here. And... Dum -dum 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 -dum. This is why I have this stuff loaded up ahead of time, because I ain't got time to be waiting for stuff to be loading up. All right. 
So your good news for today is coming out of California again. Um, Andy Corbley on October 16, 2023 wrote this story saying California passes right to repair at guaranteeing seven years of parts for your phone. Um, and this is good news for us because, you know, we be trading out phones every two to three years. But now there's a law that's saying that we could probably possibly keep our phones, if you like it so much, for seven whole years. GNN has reported uh, often on improvements in consumers' right to repair products from phones to cars, whether for decades, it's become harder and harder to do so. Now, California state government has passed a landmark law that uh, obligates technology companies to provide parts and manuals for repairing smartphones for seven years after their market release. Senate Bill 244 passed 65 to 0 in the Assembly and 38 to 0 in the Senate and made California, the seat of so much American technological hardware and software, the third state in the Union to pass the so-called right to repair legislation. On a more granular level, the bill guarantees consumers' rights to replacement parts for three years' time in case of devices costing between $50 and $99, and seven years in the case of devices costing more than $100, with the bill retroactively affecting devices made and sold in 2021. Similar laws have been passed in Minnesota and New York, but none with such long-term period as California. Quote, Accessible, affordable, widely available repair benefits, widely available repair benefits everyone, said Kyle Wylans. Wyans, I'm sorry, the CEO of advocacy group iFixit in a statement. Quote, we are especially thrilled, thrilled to see this bill pass in the state where iFixit is headquartered, which also happens to be big tech's backyard. Since right to repair can pass here, expect it to be on its way to a backyard near you. One of the reasons Wyans is cheering this on is because large manufacturers from John Deere to Apple have previously lobbied against heavily against right to repair legislation for two reasons. One, it allows them to corner the repair and maintenance markets. And two, it protects their intellectual property and trade secrets from knockoffs or competition. However, a byproduct of the difficulty of repairing modern electronics is that most people just throw them away. The ultimate end that consumers of many of these irreparable items are forced to make for them. They end up in landfills. So-called e-waste is potentially catastrophic, an an oncoming environmental problem, since it doesn't really biodegrade in any meaningful sense and recycling it requires technical dismantling. The right to repair is also equally about keeping easily fixable devices out of landfills. The California bill isn't perfect, as Wyans notes it doesn't cut back on parts pairing, whereby hardware such as a battery is linked to a software ID from the device it came from, rendering certain features unavailable if repaired with a replacement outside the original manufacturer's purview. However, Wyans added, in the statement that he believes that California bill is a watershed that will cause a landslide of the legislation to come in the near future. So, for all you iPhone and Android users, good news for y'all. Good news for us. All of us. If you find yourself in a position where your phone is no longer working the way that it ought to, you can actually find, if you're in California at least, an opportunity to be able to fix your phone or fix your on-device 
uh, um, with a lot, a lot more ease because of this bill. This bill allows your phone to basically exist for seven years rather than the typical two when they try to get you to upgrade to something that you probably don't need, but they probably find a way to give it to you anyway. So what that says to you is that it can curb your desire for more stuff. Now, I'm not saying that once the iPhone 19,000 comes out that you shouldn't get it. But what I am saying is that you now have an option to keep your phone a little bit longer rather than upgrading to a phone that you, again, probably don't need to upgrade to anyway. This will curb a lot of the greed that we see in a lot of our industries where we saw in the past they would they would literally make your phone fall apart on purpose to force you to go get another one. So after two years, they would stop giving upgrades to the um, to the operating system. The, the, the phone would literally start slowing down and all that kind of stuff. And so um, and so that's good news for us. You know, we get to keep our phones a little bit longer. And the manufacturers got to, you know, decide, you know, to actually put their, you know, the, how to fix this stuff out there in the world. And yes, with every good thing comes a bad thing. Like they said, somebody's going to find a way to build a knockoff S23 or a knockoff iPhone 15. You know, because the information is out there. But at the end of the day, people want what they want. And at and, and and the way that I the way that I the way that I have looked at it is that you get what you pay for. So if people want to buy a knockoff, they're gonna buy a knockoff. But then that knock, they're gonna get what they bought. And at the end of the day, all they're gonna do is turn right back to what works. And so the manufacturers really don't have anything to fear because now that I've gone to the S23, I'm never going back to anything less than this. This phone is so boss and so bomb, they, 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 they won my heart for life. And so I say all that to say um, this is good news for us. It gives us the opportunity to be able to make wiser choices about what we want to do with our money. You know, whenever we're having, whenever we're given an opportunity to upgrade or to do whatever we want to do with our phones, we don't have to be dictated by a show of force by our phones falling apart or um, no way to repair our phones um, because of a time window that is expired. Instead, we can have a longer time frame with the phones that we currently have or the devices that we currently have if we so desire to keep that device on us. And so. So that's good news, and we thank God that He, you know, that He put it upon the heart, that He pressed, impressed upon the hearts of people to um, to find a way to keep us to where we can actually keep the things that we own instead of having to burn through, you know, um, you know, our our funds in order to try to get more to, to get something that we don't necessarily need, um, and in doing so, you know, curb just try, try, attempt to curb the greed of those who just want our money. Um, and so, so that's some good news for us, man. So happy hunting the next time you go buying a cell phone. Make sure it's a phone that you can have at least a seven-year warranty on. So that way you ain't got to worry about trying to replace it unless you just absolutely want to have the latest phone that's out there right now. Um, I don't see the need to get in titanium because at this point, titanium ain't doing nothing different than what the other phones did except for a better camera. Ooh, really ain't that deep. Listen. I want to thank y'all so much for your likes. I want to thank you so much for your comments. I want to thank you so much for your shares. I want to thank you for the 4,000 likes that we've received today. I want to thank you guys for every comment that you put in the comment box below. I want to thank you guys for just being you. 
Thank you for showing up today on the True Gospel Morning Show. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to be able to share some wisdom and some knowledge with you guys on today. I really do hope that you got something out of this show. Come back and see me tomorrow, man. I'll be here at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, with some more gospel goodness for you guys to, uh, to share with you guys. Um, if you, um, you know, have missed any part of this recording, as always, go back to Spotify and Apple Podcasts to get anything that you may have missed or to catch up on past episodes. And join me for overtime right here on the True Gospel Morning Show. Otherwise, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies. <laughs>